Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, We are Atomic Moms, a weekly podcast celebrating the beauty and diversity of modern parenting. We explore the many options we have when it comes to conception, birth, and raising a child. We interview celebrities, experts, parents, and we way overshare about our own experiences. I'm Ellie Noss, the host, and I can definitely tell you that I way overshare in this particular episode because I've got three incredible guests on, and we are talking about postpartum depression. Um, But first, I wanted to share... Uh, it's been kind of a crazy few days for me. My great aunt Ida, who was 104, and um, I, I kind of consider her my spirit animal. Like not because she's passed away, but she always was. Uh, she was an incredible woman, and I've written about her a lot on the Huffington Post, and I'll share some of those um, with you all on social media. But we were each other's uh, only relatives in Los Angeles. She was my grandfather's eldest sister, and she and her husband would drive to Texas to take care of me when I was a baby. And my parents had, a, I think it's very fair to say, a difficult relationship. And my great aunt Ida and Joe would come and care for me. And when I was in my 20s out here in Los Angeles, kind of lost. I'd go visit her, and she always had the best things to say. Don't wait for a pat on the back. Um, Just go do what you want to do. Like, don't care what other people think. She was such a trailblazer. So (laughs) she would go to nudist camps, and in uh, in the 70s, she early 70s, she sold her home that she physically built with her husband out in Northridge. And they got a van, and they... uh, lived in Europe for three years in this van and everyone else in their family thought they were nuts, but she never cared about how much money she made. All she cared about was other people and her connection to them. So yesterday I, uh, I went to her apartment where I'm so grateful she was still living um, because I knew that her home was so important to her. After they sold the van in Europe, they moved into this apartment, and that's where she's been ever since. And um, going through all of her belongings, looking at these photographs um, of all the babies she cared for and in our family, and then also pulling out this old newspaper where she and her husband would volunteer at the elementary school down the street, and there was this huge front page uh, article about Aunt Ida and Uncle Joe and all of these children that they cared for. So to me, what I keep thinking about is, you know, the people that we have in our children's lives at those early, the earliest of ages too, they influence us f- for the rest of our lives. Like, she took care of me when I was a baby, and she gave me so much joy. And I will never let that go. So, I already had a panel scheduled on postpartum depression. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I feel like I'm already in this wheelhouse, uh, which is great. I first wanted to share with you guys um, something I found on my computer I remember writing it when my in-laws came to town and they were so sweet and they took Sabrina on this really long walk. And so I was writing and I felt so alone. I I wanted to be alone so badly. And then they took her for the walk and then I felt so alone. And I was like, this is nuts. And I think I was thought, well, if I write a blog and I post it somewhere, then I'm not actually experiencing it. (laughs) Then I'm just sort of commenting on it. Um, So I'm going to read you this tiny little thing that I wrote and it, you know, obviously it's unedited and it makes no sense, but here we go. Uh, this is about my uh, first checkup after having Sabrina. So nothing had changed in the OBGYN waiting room. The friendly faces behind the desk, the bowl of Smarties and Tootsie Rolls, the celebrity magazines with famous pregnant people on the cover, and everything had changed for me. I had been an innocent the last time I had waddled these halls, and now I was a badass mother. I intended this six-week post-delivery checkup to be my victory lap. 
Feeling a surge of confidence, I filled out the Edinburgh postnatal screening questionnaire handed to me while simultaneously nursing my daughter under her cover. Uh, Yeah, I felt happy most of the time. Check. I've been able to laugh and see the funny side of things. Why, yes, I have. Check. I've looked forward with enjoyment to things. Absolutely. Check. Then there were a couple of questions that stumped me. But sensing this was a postpartum pop quiz, which by the way, they don't say, they call it the postnatal screening, okay? I answered more positively than I might have. I traded in my paperwork, half expecting a certificate of birthing excellence, and instead I was handed a urine cup. Mm -hmm. When you're pregnant, you gain weird new skills, like shaving what you cannot see Mm -hmm. and having your blood taken without getting woozy. By my third trimester, I'm proud to say I could collect pee without a drop sliding down the side. This time, however, I told my body to stop midstream, and the deluge kept coming. (laughs) In the examination room, I admitted to my OBGYN that I had just pissed all over my arm. She was unconcerned. I had pushed for a long time, she explained. It could take a while for things to go back to normal. Then she scored my postnatal screening and looked at me with concern. A score of 10 or greater indicates the likelihood of depression. I had scored a 9. You know, it's something to be aware of, she said. Postpartum is serious, and I was on the cusp. Except I wasn't really on the cusp because I didn't admit that I had answered a little more upbeat than I had actually felt. But to be fair, I probably would have scored postpartum in the fourth grade. For example, (laughs) question three. I have blamed myself unnecessarily when things went wrong. I had checked you A. Yes, some of the time. Question number four. I have been anxious or worried for no good reason. Yeah, sometimes. Number five, I have felt scared or panicky for no good reason. (laughs) Yes. I am panicky when she sleeps because I'm afraid she's not breathing. Is that not a good reason? I'm scared that the Wi-Fi on my baby monitor is frying her brain. Is that a good reason or not? I had an intense and beautiful and loud unmedicated delivery. I was high on love the first week, but the less she slept, the less time I had to do anything other than nurse. The bonding, the skin-to-skin contact with my newborn that made me initially euphoric was rubbing me raw. I couldn't put her down or she'd start crying, so I held her and held her, and sometimes she still cried. By week three, I was standing in the kitchen in my spotted nursing bra and wearing underwear bulging with a witch hazel pad while shoveling fistfuls of cereal into my mouth with a swaddled baby hoisted over my shoulder. My thoughts weren't that I should eat better or hire someone to help since our families live far away and my husband was stuck at work 24-7. Instead, I thought, I really need to order some kitchen curtains so I don't upset the neighbors if they happen to see me. My OBGYN left me with the promise that the first time we have sex again, it's going to hurt a lot. This is because hormonally, I have the equivalent of a menopausal vagina but that I also need to use birth control because she had patients get pregnant again before their first period. Okay, so I am incontinent, I have a menopausal vagina, and I could get knocked up. What's there to be postpartum about? (laughs) So the point of today's episode is I want to shake off the shame surrounding maternal mental health, and I'm hoping that through uh, our personal experiences as moms on this podcast that our listeners will be able to say like, yeah, me too, or shit, I didn't even realize I was in it that bad. Or um, yeah, I should talk about this with other parents. And um, because there's still a lack of support and openness. And and I feel like we're always talking about the lack of support and openness. And then we get a couple great quotes from celebrities. And then that's that. Um, And I'm hoping today, you know, we're going to share some really important, uh, Websites you can go to, a hotline, um, you know, some tools for you all, and also share our own experiences. And um, one thing I guess I need to say is, you know, we're not trying to diagnose or treat postpartum depression right now or postpartum anxiety. Like that's that's not we're we're not pretending to be experts or doctors who specialize in this. Um, we're just saying we're here for you all. So I would like to introduce my lovely panel now. Um, okay. I asked them to email me a little bio, so I'll read to you what they sent. 
Yeah, Deanna's going, oh, God. Uh, I didn't really think you are going to read it. Well, too bad. Okay. Uh, Courtney Gatewood works in book publishing for a New York City-based literary agency. She moved to Los Angeles three years ago for her husband's work, so she's still a relatively new transplant. She has a six-year-old son and an 18-month-old daughter. Hello, Courtney. Hi, thank you. Okay, so now all our listeners know Courtney's voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, here's Deanna's. Uh, <laughs> and are you close enough to the microphone, Deanna? I'm not Everyone hiding. Needs to hear You're hiding. Okay, fine. Uh, first of all, she's wearing a sweatshirt that says, holy shit, I love you. <laughs> and she says that all the time. Did you make that sweatshirt? No, a friend. it was a birthday present from a, a friend of mine who, once she saw it, she knew that I needed it. That is and, insane. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, maybe that'll be our mom session today. Okay. <laughs> Deanna is a Libra in case our listeners were wondering. Uh, she likes camping and fuzzy kittens. She has a gorgeous little pork chop baby named Rigby who's five months now. You may recognize her from such television programming as the league gossip girl, two and a half men and satisfaction. She's a huge wise ass who loves Ellie dearly and is very excited to have some real talk in the spirit of helping other mamas. Hi. <laughs> and you might remember Deanna's voice from an yeah. episode we did when she was pregnant with her mommy. Ms. Yes. Yeah. And then we've got Elizabeth Abbott. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in Los Angeles. She primarily sees individuals struggling with depression, anxiety, and panic, creative issues, or trauma. She recently completed a certificate course in maternal mental health perinatal mood and anxiety disorders from postpartum support international and as a mama to a three-year-old boy. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, ladies. Um, I'm going to just throw out some symptoms mm -hmm. of postpartum and then we can jump in. So symptoms can start anytime during pregnancy or the first year of postpartum. Um, I think that th actually that they can start later than that. Um, but they differ for everyone, and they might include the following. Feelings of anger or irritability, lack of interest in the baby, appetite and sleep disturbance, crying and sadness, feelings of guilt, shame, or hopelessness, loss of interest, joy, or pleasure in things you used to enjoy, possible thoughts of harming the baby or yourself. And that comes from Postpartum Support International website, which you can find at postpartum.net. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> I guess back memories yeah. bringing back memories. So yeah. Courtney, you've been the mo me the longest. It's true. It's <laughs> true. Um, so for me, I had postpartum depression after my son was born. So my son is now six. Um, and I didn't recognize it as depression actually, because I have struggled with depression since I was like 16 years old. And when I had my baby, I was weepy for a little while and I said, well, that's the baby blues. And then I was furious all the time. I was just filled with rage, which was not typical for me with depression. So it was very strange. And I just thought, well, of course I have a lot to be mad about. Like my husband doesn't know how to do anything. Like he's never home. Like I have to do all this stuff by myself. And uh, like it wasn't until my son was 18 months old that my husband was like, you know, you're not yourself. Like, maybe you should talk to a doctor. And he was so, like, gentle and kind about it. Um, and I did. And, and it was crazy. Like, the difference was night and day. Um, and so how, what changed for you speaking to the doctor? Did you, uh, was it the medication well, or was I mean, it talking about it or at least being able like, to name the issue that it wasn't normal for you? I mean, it shows how far down the rabbit hole I was that I didn't recognize that perhaps someone who had been on medication previously for regular depression uh, would have to go back on it at some point. Um, it just like, it didn't occur to me. I was so wrapped up. I was so anxious. I was still nursing my son and I was really worried about exposing him to anything through breast milk, but then I didn't know how to wean. Um, so when I talked to the doctor, you know, we came up with a plan um, I did end up taking medication while I was still nursing him. And um, it was just like a, a, the anger went away. And I could be like, I could have fun again. I wasn't, I wasn't furious all the time. Um, but it was really scary because for me, as someone who like sees depression coming, had been in therapy for years prior to that, had been on all sorts of antidepressants prior to that. And to not recognize it in myself was so jarring. Um, it, there are so many 
changes that happen that we can blame it on. Well, exactly. It's like, is it the fact that I don't have any free time anymore? Or is it the fact that like, no one's helping me? Or is it the fact that I'm just stretched too thin or not sleeping, not not eating properly? I mean, there's so many reasons. Um, I always see little babies and think, God, they are just wasted on the mother. <laughs> like, if I could just borrow that little baby for a while. I mean, I know if I actually had the baby all the time, I would be right. lacking that sleep also and totally miserable. Right. But I wish I could be myself right now because my child is two, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. If I could just have a day with two-month-old Sabrina right now in the state I'm in, yeah. oh, that would be a, such a joy. I think about yeah. that all the time. Yeah, like, uh, Miss Elizabeth, tell us. Oh, I don't necessarily want to have another baby, but I definitely want to go back in time, the me of today, and hang out with little tiny Elliot. The well-rested you, The well-rested, the, the thing. present me, yeah. the one who can uh, just let things be. And mm-hmm. No, I was... I can't, you're going back, Courtney, to what you were saying about not knowing that you were even in it. I think about the stress because we'll also talk on the podcast about um, postpartum anxiety, which obviously I mm-hmm. have a PhD in just in anxiety in general, but <laughs> I specialize in postpartum anxiety. <laughs> I was totally unaware of how nuts I was. I did not realize that it wasn't usual for me to feel such intense anxiety about someone coming over to visit. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Deanna right now because she and I had an awesome web series called Married, Single, Divorced. And our co-partner on that, Crystal Angel, the two of you guys were going to come over. And I just kept putting it off. It was like this huge cloud of like, they don't care what I look like. They don't care if there are dishes in the sink. They yeah. don't care. But there was something in me that made... You were honest with us eventually. Like when when, when we yeah. did come over, you were like, I just wasn't okay. And you had your friend Claire there uh, as kind of a buffer between us because um, because I think... And now I understand, having gone through it, how how porous we are, how vulnerable we are in those first few months, and um, and just to have all and and the three of us had a great kind of charisma together, but that's not the state that you're in Maybe when that's you're it too. You know what I mean? And to go back, I I think Claire was in town, and that's why she was there. But I'm sure it also felt better that way because you know, yeah, you understandably, have, you have a couple people that you're like, okay, you can see me in my witch hazel pad underwear or whatever. (laughs) And I think that's it. It had nothing to do with, I know that my friends are fine with whoever I am in the moment. The problem is I'm not always fine with showing that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Miss Deanna, what was your experience in the early months? (laughs) And can you please also talk to us about how Courtney came into your life and why you suggested her to be on the panel? Yeah, no, I'm happy to. Um, It's thanks to Courtney that I sought treatment as quickly as I did. And um, I guess, uh, you know, I've never been clinically diagnosed with depression, though um, I'm familiar with it. I guess uh, in the past, as long as I did some sort of cardio activity within three days, I could beat whatever darkness was knocking at my door. And, um, and so when I started to feel a little off, um, which I never really felt on, I mean, after I had a traumatic birth, um, that, uh, I was just kind of in shock in for a while. And then, um, and then, so, so you don't ever really get your bearings to know what's, um, like you just don't have an anchor. That's that's how I mm-hmm. felt. I didn't have an anchor, and um, to, um, and uh, I got lost. Sorry, where am I? <laughs> I still don't have an anchor. Clearly, <laughs> um, uh, how Courtney came into your life. Thank you. Um, I should have eaten more before I came here. <laughs> no, but that's. I also think. But honestly, I think that that's. I was getting lost at the whole beginning of this. This is such a difficult thing to talk about, and I think yeah. and Elizabeth can probably. Um, speak about this more eloquently, but I find myself constantly going offline when I'm talking about these things because it's a form of self-protection. Like I just, I think I'm a ditz and it's like, no, I'm protecting myself. When I see videos of my daughter in the first, you know, few weeks of life, it 
it triggers anxiety for me because I can, because now that I know her better and I can hear her cry, I know what she's Mm. asking for in that video and we're not giving it to her. Mm. And it's like drives me crazy because like, that's just how new we were at it and how, you know, we're all, we were all doing our best to figure it out, including her. But yeah, it's, that was a hard time. And I don't, I don't miss those. I don't miss being pregnant. I don't miss the birth and I don't miss those first couple months. But now that I'm past it, um, and I've, I've had help. I love it. And I love her. And it's, it's just, it's so good now. Like she's my little buddy. And I, um, so I'm so grateful that I am able to enjoy it with, and, and that's and with the highs and the lows, like I still experience highs and lows, but I'm in a container now that I'm taking, um, medication for it. Um, so what happened was, is I started, um, like five weeks, five weeks postpartum. I, um, I cleared myself for exercise because I figured, uh, <laughs> that sounds like me. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, uh, because my midwife had said, as long as you're not bleeding, you're, you can, you can exercise again. And if you notice when you take a long walk, if you start bleeding to stop doing whatever you're doing. So I had stopped, I I stopped bleeding uh, after four weeks. And so at five weeks I started um, working out again and that kind of helped a little bit. And I was eating a lot. I mean, I was eating like maybe twice as much or three times. I mean, I was just constantly, cause I felt like it was a blood sugar thing and that I needed to. Me too. Really? I was, I gained more weight post in post wow well, like by a lot because it was this she would cry and yeah. instead of dealing with her crying <laughs> i'm so embarrassed to admit this i would just shovel food in my face yeah. while holding her yeah yeah <laughs> no also trying to produce the the nutrition to keep sure. the tiny human sure. alive so, yeah you know, sure. that's thank you elizabeth <laughs> way to reframe it that's what you're here for the professional i um i I didn't feel like harming myself or my child. I I was using my husband as a scapegoat and I could, ugh, man, every little thing that was wrong, I could like track it down to something he did or did not do. Amen. <laughs> and so like, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so, uh, my patience was just running really thin with him and he had his family in from out of town and something kind of snapped towards the end of their visit. And we had a lot of visitors come in and help and it was really wonderful because we needed those extra set of hands. But um, towards the end of his family's visit, something snapped in my brain and I couldn't stop crying. And, um, And I became exceptionally sensitive excuse me, to other people's presence. Like, um, I remember like walking into the living room and every seat in the living room had been taken up by a body of his family. Mm -hmm. And there's nowhere for me to like, just get cozy and nurse. And, and I just resolved to take her upstairs to the nursery and nurse her alone up there. And it was safe. And then I realized like I wasn't coming down and because the volume of the entire world had been cranked up to an 11 to me. And um, I couldn't watch TV or be in the room with TV on because it felt like whatever was happening was happening to me. Um, oh my gosh! So what was the the whale, the Sea World one? I'm still on CNN. Oh, Blackfish. Blackfish was on. Don't watch. Blackfish. I watched Blackfish for five minutes, and it was about how they were separating the mommy whales oh, from the baby whales, and you hear them crying. I mean, I think I sobbed for a month over that. Yeah. Like I should sue CNN yeah. for trauma. <laughs> yeah, Deanna, please continue. Um, so I I just entered this phase where I couldn't stop weeping, and um, and I I, I felt um like a prisoner by my own emotions because I could not physically leave the house. And, um, and meanwhile, like I'm, I'm trying to, ha- I'm trying to have this clarity. And sometimes when my husband and I can't speak level-headed to each other, we uh, go to our corners and we write very thoughtful emails about our points of view and either we'll come to a resolution or we'll just agree to disagree. <laughs> but, um, but like I thought I had written a thoughtful email and he came, it, it was not thoughtful. He was, um, really irked by it and wanted to bring it into therapy and read it. And like, and like, I mean, he was really, really offended by what I had written to the point where like all I had really said in it I was like how we need to be, um, uh, whole, whole people, you know, like for our daughter. So like, 
And I was getting mad that like he wasn't taking care of himself before helping her because he was getting, he was like low blood sugar and trying to like, and I was just mad at him for for not taking care of himself before taking care of her, uh, which is interesting because that's exactly what was happening to me. And, um, and so he just thought that it came off like very pretentious. <laughs> and so, and, um, uh, so I, um, I don't know. I, I, I had reached out to this really wonderful Facebook group that, um, that I didn't even know Facebook had private groups cause I was not really a Facebooker. I just thought you used Facebook to like self promote and then take a step back or maybe stalk your ex, whoever, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, um, our mutual friend Chrissy invited me to be on this private Facebook group, um, where you can, ask questions and whatever. And we were trying to get this meetup together at this bar. And, um, I was just really sensitive to other women and I needed to be around other moms. And so I was trying to get this like thing set up, but also recognizing that like, I, I have a problem making plans for a group of people who all have different schedules. So I just wanted it to be loosey goosey, like, Hey, like, let's just show up when we can like happy hours from this hour or whatever. But if you can't get there and, um, and then it, it streamed into like everybody saying like, well, what time are we meeting there? Cause like nobody wanted to be there without a buddy uh, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I started to spiral and I started like, I, I, and I couldn't stop weeping. And then I just, and it was time for me to leave. And I couldn't leave to go meet everybody because I couldn't stop crying. So I, so I got on the message board and I was just like, I'm going to be totally transparent. And I explained how like, I couldn't leave the house because this is how I was feeling. And everybody, everybody like, like piled on with such support and was like, Hey, (laughs) like take care of yourself. It's totally understandable. It sounds like postpartum, you should talk to reach out to Courtney who's had some experience in this. And I know that she, she would be um, great to like, she would be grateful. Like, she would be generous in, um, sharing her experience. And so, so, uh, and Courtney reached out and Stephen tried calling and I could not answer the phone because I couldn't yeah. stop calling. So yeah. I texted you yeah. back and I said, mm-hmm. I, I can't like That's, breathe. Yeah. I can't yeah. like breathe between my sobs. So we had a conversation via text. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, I've become a zealot about, uh, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I mean, I just, when I see someone clearly struggling, um, like I barely knew Deanna, but I just like immediately texted her, tried to call her and I was just like, you need to get help. Like, and I really drummed it into her. um, Yeah. I thought what was, what was so eye opening for me was that even though I, um, sorry, uh, I was going to say that um, I was a psych major. uh, And so I know that if, to be qualified as clinical depression, it has you have to uh, log three weeks of symptoms before it's technically clinical depression. So I thought, oh, okay, I've had three days of this. So like thinking that I have to log three, no, that's not mm-hmm. the case. And that's what was so great about Courtney reaching out. And she was like, you, no, you you have to get help tomorrow. Like you have to call somebody and go to therapy and make an appointment. Like just do this. And she was like, pro- she be- she was like, promise me you're going to do it tomorrow. And she kept checking in, and I was good. And 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 yeah, I. You were great. And, I, 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 I got, um, an appointment right away. And, um, and, uh, what's interesting is that my general practitioner wasn't in the office that day. There was the substitute doctor and, um, uh, it was really aligned that I was able to meet with her because the way she described it was in a more caring way than my GP who, um, just, I like how gruff she is, but I think in this state, I, it was better to have been coddled by this other woman who also approached it from an East meets West kind of philosophy. Mm-hmm. She's like, my, my, in, my intuition says that yoga is going to be good for you. And that, um, uh, you need to see this healer, uh, who, who's also a certified therapist and you need to, so that you can talk it out. And then she can also do some body work on you. But in order for those things to work, I'm going to give you this prescription for Zoloft or generic Zoloft um, because all it's going to act as as a container for you, so that you it can contain your feelings, so that you can process everything else that um, you are going through. And um, that was just that was just a really lovely way to put it. Miss Elizabeth, hi. As a marriage and family therapist. What was your experience um, in those early months 
after having Elliot and with, you know, knowing, um, or I imagine that you're able to, you know, this is your career. You're able to spot these things in other people potentially. And, and was there that self-awareness for you or did you have a similar experience as us where we didn't even realize we were so, you know, we were in the well? Uh, you know, I'd been seeing clients for like four years at that point and, um, you know, had had some clients with postpartum um, depression and anxiety and obsessive compulsive issues and things like that. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, I was very good at, at um, seeing it in other people, but I didn't realize that for me that something was really wrong until I was at um, I want to say it was Trader Joe's or something. And a woman came up to me, um, and I've, you know, I've got Elliot and his little carrier. Um, and she says, isn't, isn't being a mommy just the best thing that ever <laughs> happened to you? And, uh, Not there yet, I lady. smiled <laughs> and then I burst into tears right there in the oh, middle of Trader God. Joe's. And the feeling was, yes, this is this, I, you know, my son is is the best thing I've ever done, and I love him so immeasurably. But a lot of parts of this are just awful, yeah. and I don't recognize, you know, there was the me before, and now this me now seems seems like a different person. Not a bad person, not a yeah. terrible person, but just such a different person, and my life is so different. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been you know, I'd been working since I was 15 and I was very lucky to be able to take some time off to, to be with my son. But, uh, you know, all of the, the markers and the, the daily activities that, you know, I felt sort of made me, me, um, were suddenly gone. And I was thrust into this new role where it's like, oh, where, who, what, who am I in this? So was that moment when you were in Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. was that when you were like, oh, this is, something's wrong or was it after that that you kind of figured it out it it was a real illustration of like oh okay this isn't just the (laughs) the baby blues you know do you feel like other people um when you're in it have such an important role to play and Mm -hmm. so like for me seeing just seeing Deanna's post like uh that she was struggling I was immediately like I want to jump in there and I want to help her Mm -hmm. Versus like people who come in and see you in Target and they're like, oh, it goes by so fast. Aren't you <laughs> loving it? You know, it's like it can really, really shape your experience. And then you can feel guilty that you're not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's just so helpful to have a p- group of people around you who will say like, no, of course it's awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is really this hard. Right. Well, um, one of the things that, that, you know, depression and especially postpartum depression does is it makes you isolate yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That makes it so much harder because yeah. I remember, you know, we were talking about me not having people over yeah. or when I did have people over, somebody was uh, visiting my husband from out of town and they stayed for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And normally I would be totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. But in the state I was in, it just felt like the clock was ticking. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, get out of my house. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mm-hmm. mind. I didn't say that, but I'm just, you know on the inside, just Mm -hmm. like freaking out. Um, With Elizabeth, we didn't see you for a while, I feel like. Right. And that's the thing. I was was not isolating myself from, you know, I was going to mom's group and I was, you know, pretty early. I was taking him to story time at the library. He wasn't listening to stories. He was very, you know, he was just seeing shapes at that point. But I was doing all of those mommy things, but I was isolating myself a little bit from my, my prior, my, you know, my friends who knew me before, like yeah. you. And then we kidnapped you and we took you to color me mine and we did pottery. Color me wine. Color me wine. And, and that was, that was the best thing that could have possibly happened because it's like, oh, my old friends still see the old me in yeah. there. You yeah. know, they don't just see mommy. They don't see yeah. like milk machine. They see right. me. And there's right. a million. I'm here. <laughs> you, I see you, Elizabeth. Thank you. <laughs> You've always been here. I, 
there's always, and there's a billion, a million excuses as to why we can't, right? It's like, oh, our husband's home or we need the family time or like right. or our partner's around or they're not around. Mm-hmm. And then there's right. so many reasons not to go out. And looking back at my own experience, I think about the early days, like I did have, like within a few weeks, I had our core group of girlfriends over and we had Thai food and I seemed like I really had my shit together. Oh yeah. Mm. Didn't I? Oh yeah. You said Sabrina was sleeping great. And yeah. You guys were getting sleep. I was. I was what? still like putting concealer on under my eyes. So I like, I felt like I looked great and then it hit me, you know, like, and then it hit me. So it's like, yeah. if you got me in that pocket, mm-hmm. you know what? It might've just been the Percocet pocket. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you caught me in the Percocet pocket, yeah. I was on fire. Yeah. And then if you didn't see my baby then, it was a while before yeah. I reopened the door. I think you're running on adrenaline. And yeah. the thing that I always mm-hmm. tell people who are pregnant or who are about, you know have just had a baby, I say, like, chill out. Like, don't let people come over. Just yeah. take your mm-hmm. time. Because I do mm-hmm. think you get so burned out um, being like this, like, I can handle it. I'm doing great. I'm putting on my makeup, all this. And you just need to take a month and like chill out and yeah. and not mm-hmm. uh, entertain people, not not be anything to anyone. Just just um, have people come over, but don't. But the people um, that you can trust exactly. to leave in thirty minutes after they clean your dishes exactly. or something, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. and that's a short list. <laughs> yeah, a very short list. I was gonna. I was just gonna express um, that. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, hallucinogens in my life. Uh, well, just two mainly mushrooms and ayahuasca and have had a very positive experience with that so much so that I never need to do it again. <laughs> but I bring this up because I have had um, a, a bad mushroom trip here and there. And I have to share this because that is exactly what the sensitivity felt like mm. to me. Mm. It felt like I was tr- like having a bad trip. And um, and that also kind of helped me zero in on and recognize that this isn't real. This 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 is um, because uh, because I've had to talk myself down in the past and know that this was a poison that I took voluntarily to have a good time and it's not a good time right now. Like just wait it out; it's going to be temporary. It was the exact same. It was like I trained myself to know the difference between a real concern and um, and a chemical concern. Um, and uh, just a quick epilogue on that is that um, me seeking treatment so quickly. Uh, has brought my husband and I so much closer in a way that like I, I'm so grateful for. And just yesterday he like uh, was complimenting me saying how impressed he is with how maturely I handled. Mm-hmm. I was impressed actually too. Oh that, God. Um, because for me it took me like ages to look down that stupid insurance list of like Mm-hmm. Who's you know who takes nobody takes insurance? That's the that's the yeah, truth of it. But um, good. you know, looking for a therapist, it's hard. It's hard, um, and just and then trusting help. one and trusting right. one, and then and showing up and trusting one. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna call my therapist, even though they won't take insurance when you call. But okay. I now I at least I have someone to call because that's the other part of the problem. The idea of getting to a therapist with your baby sucks. It's impossible. It's yeah. so hard. I just remember. Yeah, going to the grocery store, like that was so exhausting right. for me physically. Yeah. Right. But there are therapists the who will, you know, don't, who will make home visits. There are therapists who will let you bring your baby into session. You know, there are a lot of the, the specialists in, in postpartum issues, you know, they, they know that it's hard enough to like put on yoga pants in the morning, yeah. you know, and, and let alone get to, to therapy. The question is like, how do you find those people? It's, right. it's really, really hard, which is- Help us, Elizabeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, the, one of the things um, now, you know, especially having gone through this myself, um, now with clients, um, I really like to talk about mobilizing your resources, ahead of time, um, knowing risk factors and knowing that if you, you know, have a propensity toward depression or anxiety, you know, in your, your pre-pregnancy life, then, you know, or if you have, um, you know, some sort of tumultuous situation in your life right now. Maybe mm-hmm. you moved into your dream house, which is a wonderful thing, but you still moved. It's an, you know, it's yeah, a right. transition. Maybe you're having financial difficulties or marital difficulties or things like that. Those are, those are risk factors. And of course you're not, um, they don't necessarily mean that you're going to have postpartum depression or anxiety or any issues whatsoever. But if you know going in that, maybe some of those are there. It's time to 
get your resources together before, because yeah. when you're in it, you can't, you can't look at that insurance list. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. It so. reminds me of weddings, like everything that mm. every terrible thing or like every bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's every skeleton in that family closet is going to mm-hmm. come out at that <laughs> wedding. And it's the same with the damn baby. Yeah. Right. Like every issue that you just sort of been gliding oh. over, like that will come up. Yep. Yeah. Any beef you have with your parent, mm-hmm. I promise pregnant <laughs> women, the first, at least I can talk about the first two years of life. Mm-hmm. Those issues are going to come up again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So how do we mobilize our resources? Um, well, I mean, if you're, <laughs> if someone out here is, is um, you know, is pregnant, hasn't had the baby yet, you know, that's a perfect time to, you know, of course you're thinking positively. Maybe you bring home a super great sleeper and you never have any issues. And that's wonderful. I had a great sleeper. It's still with heart. It's still hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm emphasizing that so much because I was so sleep deprived mm-hmm. that yeah, it was, uh, that was a major factor in, yeah, me in too. all of Just this. Yeah, me crying all the time um, for me. <laughs> yeah, the like, crying. When, and then you get the anxiety sweat. Oh, yeah. And then I'm the so crying. anxious about how I'm going to be so depressed all day because I didn't get this because oh, yeah. my sleep has been interrupted. That was mm-hmm. always the worst. Right. And that yeah. happened recently. I didn't, I got five hours for some reason and I burst into tears four times <sighs> throughout the day. And I don't know if that was just because I was like flashing back mm. to before, but I was like, oh, that's what this feeling is. Yeah. That horrible, yeah. horrible feeling. So if you're listening to this and you're pregnant, look at your insurance list already, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ask beforehand. for recommendations. That's Ask. what I would say. Ask other moms for recommendations because exactly. that's where you're going to get, uh, it makes it a lot less scary. And if you don't have um, other moms who you can ask for resources, um, I there are so many resources online. You mentioned earlier, you mentioned postpartum.net. Um, that's Postpartum Support International. Um, they have a ton of resources for um, finding a therapist, finding a doctor, finding a support group. Um, they have a warm line, um, not a hotline, but a warm line. Um, <laughs> yeah, can you explain sweet. that to our listeners, what um, a warm line is? So you, uh, the PSI warm line is 1-800-944-4PPD. Um, it's in English and Spanish. And um, so these are for, this is for... Um, you know, non-emergency situations, mm-hmm. you'll leave a message and within 24 hours, um, an expert will call you back. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's um, great. Right? Yeah. Um, they also have resources online for dads and partners and family yeah, and members. I've got a great one for dads I'll throw mm-hmm. in. Um, it is, oh, sorry, everybody. Okay, uh, there's a website called postpartumdads.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at that last night after popping a Xanax and uh, (laughs) it was great. I should maybe not say that, Um, but it's true. It was a hard day with my Aunt Ida clearing out her things anyway. And then looking up postpartum. So uh, I did take a Xanax, a very, very light dosage. Actually, my dog has a prescription for Xanax that is twice the potency as mine. Nobody's judging you. So, uh, <laughs> no one's judging you. Yeah. Somebody out there is. Uh, also, if you if you are in a financial um, uh, situation that like going to therapy sounds like a luxury, um, just know that like every insurance does accept a super bill. So even though you might have to put money up front. Uh, you will get some of it back. Also, um, don't let that stop you from asking other moms for help because people want to help you. People want to be there for you. Nobody's going to judge you or or think that you're less than anything uh, because you ask for help. If anything, it's, it's, um, it's such a testament to your strength that you recognize that things can be better and you don't have to suffer. Life is too short for suffering. Um, So whether it is confiding in a Facebook group or calling one of these warm lines Mm -hmm. or, um, or if you can get, um, help with a therapist, just at least make the action to reach out because this is a vocabulary that that we, that we have now and we need to take advantage of it. Right. And, and for dads, um, a 10%, I read online, um, 10% of men whose partners are having babies suffer depression during the time period ranging from three months before the baby is born through the baby's first birthday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not surprised also like 
Yeah. We're in it. Our husbands are, our partners are taking such hits from us yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, also, you know, they're, there may be other kids in the house. They're right. they're taking on so much right. and trying to keep the whole ship afloat while you know we're yeah. tending to the little one. It's yeah. um it's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure on us. It's a lot of pressure on them too. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't mind my asking Elizabeth mm-hmm. to go back to Trader Joe's, how did you end up um, coming out of your depression? Uh, I went to therapy pretty quick. Uh, I went on Zoloft pretty quick. Um, and uh, for me, my um, postpartum issues were more anxiety related than um, than depression. I mean, there was some depression as well. Um, for me, a lot of it was the um, the the shift in roles and the mm-hmm. you know I talked about it a little bit before. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of moms, it sounds like a horrible idea to you know, have a a baby class and a mom's group and have lots of places to go and be at Mm -hmm. a certain time. That sounds awful to them. For me, that was so containing because it Mm -hmm. was reminding me of what my life used to look like mm-hmm. pre baby. Yeah. So, interesting. so I, I would have, like it didn't have the energy. Like I would go to right. lunch with you and I'd be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, and this is like after the first month, um, yeah. as well, you know, I would have a, a something scheduled to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. every day because it would just sort of remind me that, you know, of, of, um, you know, the, the, the life I, I, used to live. That sounds yeah. very, very dramatic and I don't yeah. mean it. So no, it makes be. sense. And when I was having mm-hmm. lunch with you, like I've had all that energy back again. That's a weird thing. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have experienced oh, yeah. that yeah. where you're like, oh wait, no, I feel good. I'm out. I'm, yeah. I can talk like maybe this depression isn't real or maybe this anxiety or these issues yeah. aren't real because right. that's a good point. When I, or I leave my child with mm-hmm. a sitter mm-hmm. and then I have a lot of energy to do a lot of things, right. but then I'm back home for However many hours, and I'm like, Whoa. I don't know. <laughs> Did you guys experience that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was home in the first 18 months of my son's life. I had to be outside, out walking every single day. Mm-hmm. Like I could not be in my house. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, I was insane. Um, <laughs> but I had a friend. Fortunately, I had a friend uh, who was not going through quite the same situation, but she was also dealing with that life change and. Um, we would just meet up and neither of us was home ever because we were in New York and we had to be like in our yeah. tiny little apartments. So mm-hmm. we would go out in the snow and the rain, like just take those babies out. Um, and I think now it was the anxiety and the depression and not wanting to like running away from myself because with my daughter, um, when she was born, I just never left the house. I mean, now also you're in like, California though. Well, we're in California too. <laughs> a lot nicer. But, um, it's just different. Like I do think some of that anxiety drives the kind of like, okay, if I can just like get my life, um, if I can just have somewhere to go, mm-hmm. I'll feel normal again. Mm-hmm. And it's a new normal. It's not. Yeah. One of the biggest things that anxiety and depression does in general, um, is I, I think is it makes you believe that this is just how I'm going to feel from now on. Yeah. This is forever. This is not temporary, yeah. right? So that's the the thing that I wish that somebody had sort of, you know, told me then and that I try to do for my clients now is to tell me that this is to tell them um, that this is temporary. This is treatable and this yeah. is temporary. Um, you know, I had been going to therapy and, and, um, taking medication and the thing that made the biggest difference in my mood and my life and um, our family's life was um, when Elliot was five months and one week old. I will never forget it. He slept through the night for the first time. Oh my gosh. Huge. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So getting yeah. some sleep, you know, and oh, it's everything for it's, me. Absolutely everything. So there will be, there, there are things that you need to do proactively in order to pull yourself out of it. And there are also things that are just going to change. Yeah. They're going to change. But now I'm afraid of getting pregnant again because <laughs> I like where I am mentally. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you do of, differently? Uh, I did so much differently. I have to you say. You did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's jump into this self-care. Um, okay. 
So as soon as I moved to LA, I researched reproductive psychiatrists. I this was two years before I got pregnant again mm-hmm. for the second time. But I started seeing a reproductive psychiatrist because one of my problems that I had uh, previously was that I didn't trust my doctor to know what he was talking about, mm-hmm. about nursing and pregnant women. And I just thought, like, he doesn't specialize in this. Uh, if he says it's okay, I don't really trust him. And I went off my medication. So this time I got someone who was, you know, really trained in that, um, and talked me through the like the pros and cons of staying on medication and which medications I could stay on uh, and which ones I should probably not stay on and supplements that would be helpful to mm. take. So I did that. Like I kept my brain chemistry uh, as stable as possible. I also did a lot of exercise. I also did acupuncture. Mm. I also already had a great group of mom friends, but that's really great if you're pregnant, like to meet other people who are also pregnant who are going mm-hmm. through it with you. Um, I got myself a therapist. Like I got my husband and I into couples therapy preemptively because yeah. I knew it yes. was going to throw a big wrench into our relationship again. And let's see, therapy, blah blah blah, meds. Yeah, I mean, it, and then Did I you just do placenta oh, pills. I, I didn't do the placenta, um, but uh, I also preemptively hired a housekeeper slash nanny because that was my other yes. issue mm-hmm. was that I could not leave my son with anyone. I was too freaked out. And so Mm -hmm. I figured if I had someone in my house beforehand to help out around the house doing laundry, all this Mm -hmm. stuff, I would not be so overwhelmed and it wouldn't feel like leaving them with a stranger. So it was like, I was like checking off all these boxes. Um, That is a great checklist. And, you know, like meditation and yoga and all sorts of things like... That's mobilizing your support, right? Exactly. Your resources. Resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took going through it for me to figure figure that out. But if you are prone to depression, I... I would definitely recommend looking up, you know, as many resources as you can mm-hmm. before right. that baby comes. If you can't afford yeah. to hire someone or if you don't want to hire someone, you know, having a relative coming exactly. and staying for a while. Make sure yeah. it's a relative who doesn't bring Starting lots of food. emotional baggage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 and keep um, them away, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, set, like, respectful boundaries with, yeah. with family yeah. members. Well, that's something well. to learn, man, to, yeah. oh, so the hard. setting boundaries, because it is so though. tricky. When yeah. I would get, I would, I would always hit this, like, manic upswing when visitors would come, because I was so happy. Such a great way to put it to see them yeah. and that I would and you're right I would feel better being in the presence of this new um happy energy I mean who's not happy to see your new baby but then they would leave and I would crash mm-hmm. I would be so tired be so sad I mean and in was, it I wasn't I was like yeah. I could I could do this all day mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. then you're right they leave and then it's like oh yeah, I would set a timer time. for myself just to oh, remind really? myself like you need okay, a break. I need to like yeah. in this conversation. That's yeah. smart. Mm-hmm. When my husband went uh, went to work, th- I remember that first two days were insanely hard because uh, I would feel like I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. And then he would get home, and it was like this again, mm-hmm. this release mm-hmm. where suddenly I would just start crying. And he's like, "I thought you were fine. Like you texted me all these like happy things all day." And I'm like, "I was fine." And something happened when you mm-hmm. came home. That but like, it's like witching hour. Yeah. It was like, like at five or four like, o'clock. Where I was just yeah. like, Whoa. It's like it's like when the director calls cut or something. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be on anymore. Like I like yeah, I had to right. like show up for my daughter all day. And then once right. he was there, I was like I could have permission to just you had the support download. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I. Um, um, I, one of my concerns with the next go around is when I would nurse and I, I was very lucky with nursing. I was able to do it for a year and um, it was it was not difficult for us except that I experienced the dysphoric milk ejection reflux, Oof. which is like a ridiculous sounding <laughs> yeah. thing. I didn't have it with depression, but I had it with anxiety and Reading about it online, some people are still like, well, we don't know if it's real. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is so real. Mm-hmm. I could, because eight months later, I'd be having a great day. I have my energy back. Yeah. I'm finally eating properly. I'm sleeping. I have some help. And I would sit down and I would start nursing Sabrina. And I, it would be like this feeling of sheer terror. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was like, and would that go on through the whole nursing session or was it just during letdown? It would, would start, I think it would, it would start with letdown, um, which they say is the prolactin is released during breastfeeding. And so your dopamine, which is a prolactin inhibitor drops, and mm-hmm. that sort of explains it. I would only nurse for about 15 minutes. And I think 
it would go away, but I still couldn't really shake it off. Yeah. But yeah. then an hour later, I was fine again. But then if you're nursing every hour in the beginning, yeah. like you're in a constant state of anxiety. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Yeah. And I didn't, and later, because I was only doing every four hours or we started doing, um, because I was pumping bottles and stuff, like yeah. I had a bigger mm-hmm. break between right. and then I became more aware of it. But it would, I remember my girlfriend Whitney being over one day and I was like, everything's fine, da, 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 start nursing. I was like, this feels so terrifying. Wow. And so I'm a little afraid of that. And then I got, but then that would kind of go away. It wasn't always, it wasn't for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And then I got with the weaning induced depression, uh, which is where you have the diminished oxytocin. And I had weaned for months and it's still like when I finally stopped nursing, For about a month after, I was crazy pants. And that's where my rage came in, Courtney. I was mean. I had such a short temper. It seemed like I was, I don't want to throw around medical terms, (laughs) like mental illness terms when we're talking about something so serious. Um, and I obviously on a bad mushroom trip. Yeah. (laughs) Bad bad mushroom trip is a better way to put it. But I, I, uh, a little unstable, I'd say. Yeah. So I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the whole nursing part of it for me. If you don't mind mm-hmm. saying, did you did you end up taking medication? No. Okay. Um, I had taken uh, Lexapro years ago for anxiety, and then mm-hmm. I got off it. Um, and no, and so I haven't mm-hmm. since. And I... Except for the occasional Xanax. Which is new. <laughs> oh, really? Which is a new prescription. That I had never, because forever, because really? I had tried Xanax years ago. <laughs> so and I'm surprised because I know you have so much anxiety. I like, know. Really? <laughs> um, years ago, I had tried it and it would just make me fall asleep and I hated yeah. that. Oh. And so then um, this past month, I actually got a prescription of it. I forgot all the half crazy. They were so crazy. Oh, because my dog. <laughs> yeah, half my dogs. No, because my dog got it too. Now my dog is on Prozac. Yeah. My other dog's on Prozac. <laughs> because I got the Xanax. I'll tell you guys why. Uh, one of our dogs has Cushing's disease and it's insanity. And oh, yeah. um, so he's on steroids to make him a little nuts. Mm. So then he also has to be on Prozac. So wow. anyway, there's a whole thing going on there. Our little dog went in for teeth cleaning and his back was hurt. Mm. And I said to the vet, please uh, check out his back before you clean his teeth because I'm worried about it. And please don't do the teeth cleaning unless it's okay. She called me and, oh yeah, no, it's great. We should definitely do it. Um, his back's fine. It just seems a little sore. X-ray doesn't show anything. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, why teeth cleaning? You know, why do we have to do it? Because I just felt weird about it. And she's like, well, you know, it just helps prevent future suffering. Mm-hmm. So then he gets the teeth cleaning done. And for whatever reason, he wakes up, he's fine. An hour later, they call me and they're like, he needs to go to the emergency vet yeah. because his back legs were paralyzed. Oh so he spent a week at the emergency vet, um, had major spinal surgery. Insurance wasn't going to tell us whether or not it was covered. So you just throw 10 grand in hoping that you'll be reimbursed. Mm. I mean, the the whole thing was so, you know, it was a lot. And then taking, bringing him home after the week, he was still paralyzed and trying to carry him. And then Sabrina was acting up. So anyway, long story short, I needed fucking Xanax. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to, uh, so when I went on it, that my, uh, doctor said like, this is something that you're on for three months and then you try to get off of it. And if you notice that you're not having a good time, <laughs> you know, Hey, no, but if you notice you're having difficulty getting off of it, then, you know, go back on, just call me back up and I'll, uh, refill your prescription. So currently I am weaning myself off of my, my Zoloft prescription. I'm doing it slower than they recommended. That's smart. Though, um, yeah. I remember smart. with Lexapro, I didn't, I hate it. I don't know how slow I did it or not, but I remember that feeling of going off of it and being mm-hmm. like, this is a terrible yeah. feeling and I'm like, I don't want to feel this again. Yeah. So I think it's really smart to go off it slowly. As slowly as possible, but I'm still breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what's going to happen when I stop a breastfeeding, which who knows oh, when that's right. going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, before my hum- my husband and I finally go on our honeymoon, you know, which will be yeah. before she's a year old. So I'm like, when do I, you know, so, so it's, it, thank you for saying that you had a hard time, uh, weaning. Cause I, I'm also watching really a friend of mine kind of suffer right now through, like some, some, some it's triggering something. So yeah. it's, so it's a chemical thing and maybe. It was a chemical thing. Cause I always thought, oh, this is about, um, I stupidly thought that 
mothers that have a hard time with weaning, because you hear about it, that that is some emotional connection thing and that yeah. they're having a hard time breaking that connection. Yeah. I no. can honestly say I did not have a hard time breaking <laughs> that connection. So it was chemical for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and wow. uh, Bianca, our listeners know, experienced this for a while through our podcast and she would touch, uh, touch in about that. Um, cause it can go on for a while, but a lot of people don't have it at all. Yeah. So like, don't mm-hmm. let's nuts. I don't want to scare anyone off of it. It's possible. I didn't but. have it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, cool. I had everything else, but not yeah. that. Did you, have, did you have it, Elizabeth? <laughs> we had a lot of problems with feeding, um, from the very beginning. Oh, geez, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, but, uh, you know, I was able to pump enough to give him three months of, um, of breast milk. And then he was formula fed. He was bottle fed. And honestly, the minute he got a bottle in his mouth, he relaxed Wow! and the bonding was better than, uh, you know, so it, it, it actually, it was his pediatrician who gave me the, you know, I oddly sort of needed permission. Yeah. I had it in my head. I am going to breastfeed. I'm going to do it this way. I'm, I had a very rigid rules about how I was going to be as a mother. And I think that mm. in a lot of us, those rigid rules yeah. are some of the things yeah. that turn into distorted thinking that turns into um, yeah. depression Thank you and for that. anxiety. Yeah. Right. So he was yeah. the one who said, just, just stop, just stop. And I said, oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then after, and it was how long? How, how long did it take to get better? Like, did you have the feelings of the hormonal changes after you stopped nursing, or did it just instantly feel better? I I felt better because we both felt That's better. Great. We yeah. had we had yeah, I had um, we just had enough problems that we were both sort of miserable, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, during every feeding twenty four hours yeah. a day, and it was like, why am I torturing us? It's yeah. ridiculous. He's like the best kid and I, formula did not ruin him and no, it's fine. <laughs> I will say that is the beauty of having a second child is that you're just like, they'll be fine. No matter yeah. what, yeah. like they will be fine. It's okay. The first one will be president and right. <laughs> so yeah. all the pressure's I off. I was a second child. I was yeah. in the pediatrician's <laughs> office when my son was five days old. They were like, you need to supplement with formula. He's not gaining fast enough. Mm-hmm. And I just sobbed right. and I didn't end up supplementing with formula um, because I like, I was crazy and I read the package and I was like, oh my God, I can't put this into him, whatever. <laughs> um, he never took a bottle, by the way. 22 oh my months gosh. of nursing. Stop. And Ooh. then... Um, I just got so tired. With my daughter, just from the beginning, I was like, well, she's going to have a bottle of formula every night and that's the way it's going to be. And mm-hmm. it took off so much pressure. That's but nice. I think it's like, you have to, you have to be able to know that it's going to be okay um, mm-hmm. and to believe it. And it's really hard to do that when you don't have that frame of reference. I love that. Deanna, mm-hmm. do you have any uh, closing things that you'd like to share? Mamas um, share, oh my God, any closing things that you'd like to share with some mamas about, you know, that there's light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. I mean, I guess um, I'll just offer another thing that kind of helped me through the the darkness was... Um, Listening to podcasts like this one, um, uh, just I really just felt attracted to other women that had been parents, um, and I would download um, some audio books because who can read when you're nursing, you know? But listening to an audio book is great. Of um, autobiographies of um, of other moms like. Um, like Tina Fey or uh, Amy Poehler or um, Rachel Dratch. I loved, I, I went through like all, uh, who else did I listen to? I don't know. They were great. And I remember Elizabeth, you, you, you said in an email that you listened to um, Brooke Shields or you, you actually oh, read yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That was um, a good book. I haven't, I, it I was good. I haven't Amazon done that one yet. primed that real yeah. fast. Really? Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Elizabeth, is there anything you'd like to share? Um, well, closing? I mean, I would, I, the therapist in me is wanting to give a few more Please. resources if that's okay. Uh, we talked about postpartum.net um, and that being um, such a great place to go for resources on all the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and the warm line and the resources. There's also um, another 
great website called postpartumprogress.org. Um, they've got a great blog with, you know, real stories of, of um, they call them warrior moms who are uh, going through this right now. Um, so if you don't have a bunch of mom friends, you know, you can have your your uh, virtual mom friends on the on the blog. Uh, support resources, local uh, clinician referrals. They've got a list of which psychiatric meds are safe um, during pregnancy and during breastfeeding, which, of course, you should always be talking to your doctor about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you want to do your own research there as well, there are communities. Um, also, you know, it's uh, sometimes, you know, you get into an emergency situation and, um, the national suicide prevention hotline is always available 24 hours a day, 1-800-273-TALK. Um, and you know, that's a place, uh, someone you can talk to for, um, with no judgment, 24 hours a day. Um, and the the last thing that I want to say is this is not something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. It's temporary and it's treatable. And that is the end of my uh, soapbox. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you, Courtney, Deanna, Elizabeth. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and um, just talking about yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I got I just get so jazzed about podcasts because I think it's so cool to have a format where we can just talk for an hour. Yeah. And really get into it. And it didn't even feel long enough. Like, yeah. you, should, <laughs> you know, the time just flew by. Uh, so to our listeners, thank you for, you know, hearing us out. And we'd love to hear your experiences. And, you know, reach out to us uh, at Atomic Moms on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we'll have a new episode next week. If you want to find our previous 50-something episodes uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. And we'll see you next week. Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. <laughs>